0: If you have a Bible, you want to open it up. You can be in two places. If you only want to be in one, you want to head to Philippians chapter 4. But if you want like double bonus points, you can also grab Proverbs chapter 4. And we're going to be in Proverbs first, just one verse. But in Proverbs, you have uh, the wisest man who ever lived other than Jesus. His name is Solomon. God gave him his wisdom. And uh, he wrote a book called Proverbs, Wise Sayings. And in Proverbs chapter 4, Solomon is writing to his children. And really writing to his legacy, to the heritage that will come behind him. And he's giving them these instructions and he's saying, hey, listen, if you get anything in the world, this is Solomon speaking, who God said, what do you want? He could have asked for riches. He could have asked for fame. He could have asked for pleasure. He asked for wisdom. And then Solomon is now saying to his children, if you can get anything on the earth, get wisdom. Get it. Chew on it. Hold on to it. Don't let it depart from you. Live by it, and you'll find life. You'll find peace. You'll be in alignment with the kingdom of heaven. Oh, and if you get understanding, hold on to that too. Because if you hold on to that, you'll get life and understanding. And, and finally, he says, instruction, wisdom, understanding, and instruction. Clutch on to them with all your might. Me, the wisest person to have ever lived, am giving you this counsel. Here's a tip, an insider trick for free. Wisdom, understanding, instruction. Hold on to them with your very life, and you'll have life. And then he makes this statement, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 He says, now that I've said how important these things are, let me say one more thing. And he uses these words, above all else. No matter what I've just said, those are important, very important. They're the the keys to life, wisdom, understanding, instruction. But even more important than wisdom, understanding, and instruction are these words in Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Today's message is entitled, Guarding Your Heart. Everyone say, guarding Guarding your heart. Yeah. We've all learned this lesson in the natural, maybe the hard way, from our digestive systems. I mean, I'm not trying to be gross. I'm just trying to make a parallel that whatever you ingest is what flows out of you. So if you eat spicy food, Everyone looks down. No one wants to talk about this. You need extra Charmin, right? If you eat too much junk food in one day, you lay in bed wondering, is this going to come out of me? I mean, maybe that hasn't happened for you in a long time, but at some point in your life, you just ate so terribly, you ingested so much junk that it just needed to escape. And escape it did. No fun. It's a painful, and pleasant truth, but it's merely a physical reminder of what's also happening in the spirit. When it comes to your heart, the wellspring of life, Proverbs tells us it can't come out of you if it's not already in you. So if you walk into a desperate situation and are hoping for something incredible to come out of you, it's not coming out of you unless it's already in you. Because what's in the heart is what flows out of your life, your words, your thoughts, your actions, the way you behave. It's gotta be in there first. So if confidence isn't in you, confidence isn't coming out of you. If there's no peace in you when you walk into a turbulent situation, don't expect peace to come out of you. If there's no love in there, no freedom in there, no joy in there, don't expect it to flow out of you. And the converse is true, too. If there's insecurity in you, then insecurity is coming out of you. If there's bitterness in there, bitterness is coming out. Jealousy, anxiety, unforgiveness, if all of these are in our hearts, Proverbs makes a promise that that's what's going to flow out of you. Because it can't come out unless it's in. Hmm. This is why they say this. Free people, free people. Have you heard this statement before? Because if I'm free in here, then I can help you be free. I've learned the fire escape is this way. Follow me to freedom, right? And they say the converse is true as well. Hurt people, hurt people. If I'm hurt in here, then I'm going to hurt others. And if I'm hurting others, it's another way to say this. I'm unwilling or not able currently to guard my heart. I didn't guard my heart, and therefore now some sort of hurt is in here, and I am polluting, toxifying. I'm like a smokestack of what's in here because stinking thinking comes from a stinking heart. Something in there is rotting, and it festers up, and it comes out. Isn't this great news? (laughs) I told you all these messages I'm writing, they're so heavy. If you aren't sure what's in your heart, like I wonder if something in there's rotting or not. I wonder if when I walk into a place, do I purify or do I pollute? If you don't know, let me tell you how to know. Ask somebody who you know to be a purifier. If they walk into a room and they bring wisdom, if they walk into the room and bring the peace of God, it rests on them. Ask them, hey, when I, when I enter a situation, do I tend to pollute or purify? Ask the question. And if you're unwilling to ask the question of another person, you already have your answer. Because if I'm unwilling to ask you about what kind of aroma I bring, it could be an aroma, it could be an odor, right? Then it kind of already speaks to what's in here. Arrogance? I don't need you. I don't need to know. Or insecurity? I'm afraid to know. Because then the truth will be out. And everyone will talk about how terrible I am. So let me encourage you again. Even before The day ends. You're gonna forget this unless you write it down and make a note and set a reminder for it, I promise you, because you're gonna get busy. It's gonna be 10 o'clock. You're gonna go check and see how the bucks are doing in Germany. You're just gonna do it. But before the day ends, ask somebody who you know to be a purifier, do I purify or do I pollute? Because it's going to identify what's in my heart because it can't come out if it's not in. So if I'm polluting, it's polluted in here. If I'm purifying, it's pure in here. You picking up what I'm putting down? (laughs) The goal today in this entire series and why we're in the book of Philippians is to be a new human. A new human is one who's become born-again follower of Jesus Christ. And as a born-again Christian, you have to relearn a new way of living. That's why we have this entire series called New Way to Be Human. And so in this respect, we want to, as believers in Jesus, ensure that what coming out of us purifies the people and places around us. I want to guard my heart so that my presence brings life and not death. My presence brings light, and not darkness. Not just for others, but for myself as well, because I spend the most time of my day with me. You know what I mean? Do you purify or pollute yourself by what's coming out of here? So today, we want to ask the question and see if something is rotting in here, and then get a little bit of gumption in our spirits to say, I'm done with the stench of the devil. It stinks. It's rotting. I don't know if you've ever had a dead thing in your house. We had a dead squirrel in Ocala when we lived there up in our roof somewhere. And you want to talk about the stinkiest thing you've ever smelled. And we've had three kids with baby diapers, right? We had to get it out of our house. This morning, if there's anything rotting in there, praise God, Jesus is here to remove that varmint from your house, amen? That's the goal. The problem when we have junk in our hearts is that we didn't guard it to begin with. We just let any old thing kind of creep in there. And that's why Solomon says to his children, the wisest thing you can do is guard your heart so not just any old thing can creep in there. But how do we guard our hearts? That's the question for today. In Philippians chapter four, we find the answer. So if you're there, Philippians chapter four, open that up if you need a Bible. I forgot to ask this earlier. If anyone needs a Bible, just wave your hand. We'd be glad to give you a Bible. We'd love for you to have the word of God. But here's Philippians chapter four, starting in verse four. Paul writing to the church in Philippi. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. Now there's a multitude... Like, we could preach Philippians chapter four for months on end. I don't think that I'm giving to hyperbole or exaggeration when I say that there's probably thousands of messages globally, annually, on this passage alone, specifically verses six and seven, which you may have also used in your life as a mantra. Like, oh my goodness, I'm going through this terrible thing. Let me remember Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 by prayer and petition with thanksgiving in my heart, present my request to God, and then this peace is going to come. So I need to apply this prescription by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, meaning I need to have grateful prayer, and then I'll have peace. And this isn't really the point of today's message, but what is grateful prayer? Grateful prayer isn't thanking God that you have a house, thanking God that you have dogs, thanking God that you don't have cats, right? I'm sorry, cat lovers, I apologize, I apologize. Wretched things. Just kidding. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. Don't give me a cat, no. I heard that. We're all allergic. Um, To be grateful in prayer means, God, thank you for this that I'm walking through. Thank you for this that I'm learning. Thank you for the bully who's teaching me how to persevere. Thank you for the bully who's teaching me that you are my protector. Thank you for the bully who's teaching me that I need to pray for my enemies. By the way, Jesus lived his entire life with bullies. They were the church people, by the way. So this prayer with gratitude thing leads to the guarding of our hearts. We've tied the guarding of our hearts continually because of Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 to the prayer with gratitude part. If I will ask God and be grateful, then I'm going to find my heart guarded like a fortress against the devil's schemes. But what if we're not reading the entirety of the scripture and forgetting part one, and part two of a three-part prescription. Part three is the famous part with prayer and petition. With thanksgiving in my heart, present my request to God, and he's going to give me peace. But this whole letter was written together. What about verse four and verse five? Could it be that peace comes not only from grateful prayer, but also a person who learns to rejoice and be gentle? Could it be all three rejoicing, gentleness, grateful prayer? Well, we're not going to spend a lot of time speaking about grateful prayer because we could spend the rest of eternity talking about it. It's something uh, as believers we should learn to follow. But I want to emphasize these two parts of this prescription that we have not, at least I should speak for myself, we don't regularly couple in with prayer. Rejoicing. And gentleness, what do these two words mean and how do we apply them to our hearts so that a fortress is built against the wiles of the enemy and we guard our hearts by rejoicing and gentleness? Two thoughts on two words. New humans are expressively glad that God is their master. Paul says in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. The rejoicing is so important to Paul that he says it twice. The Holy Spirit, inspiring this word, emphasizes redundancy for a reason. It's actually now the sixth and seventh time that Paul has spoken about rejoicing in this very short letter. It's a theme, it's important. It's tied to our peace. It's tied to being a new human. New humans rejoice. It's what they do. So rejoice. I say again, as Paul said, rejoice. Rejoice is an expression of gladness based on experiencing God's grace. Rejoicing is not a feeling. It's the manifestation of a feeling, and that feeling is joy. So when I feel so much joy, I'm not joying. I'm rejoicing when my body and my spirit respond, manifest the joy inside of me. It means that our rejoicing is connected to a why. Rejoice, why? Why? Well, in this case, Paul says to rejoice in the Lord. In other words, rejoice that it is the Lord that is your master. I was playing golf on Friday with my father at his course over in Brandon with my older brother, Matt, and my son, Eli. And we are on the 10th tee, a hole that my father has aced three times it's not an easy hole, and my dad's not a great golfer, but he's hole-in-one this thing three times. Not important, I just, it's a side note. And we're sitting there, and there's this, like, noise. We're, we're up near the clubhouse again, because you kind of do the nine holes and come back if you're not familiar with golf, then you're starting the 10th hole and going out again. And there's this noise and kerfuffle, whatever, over there, and we look, and there's a head pro. She's been there forever. She's a teacher. She's, she's amazing. And she's, like, rolling golf balls to a dog, And the dog's kind of grabbing him, throwing him. And the dog's running like crazy. And I'm like, is this like the course's dog? Who is this dog? And then over the hill comes this man. He's like in his 20s. He is dripping wet, sweating. He's got slides on and he's chasing the dog. And every time anybody gets near the dog, the dog's like just impossible to catch. And by the way, the driving range empties out. All the golfers are trying to catch the dog. I'm sitting on the ground, because one guy's like, if you sit on the ground, the dog will come to you. So I sat on the ground, I'm like, come here. Dog would not come. For whatever reason, the dog walks up to my brother, who's sitting in the cart, and my brother like fakes like his glove as food. Like, hey, come here, get down, baby. The dog comes all the way up, and my brother goes, Shoot! grabs his collar, and everyone's like, Whoa! I mean, it's kind of one of those things you had to be there because we were chasing this dog for like five minutes, the guy's sweating, whatever. So here's the point of the story. My dog, my dog, my brother, dog, hands the dog to the master and immediately that dog lays on the ground and puts its feet up like I'm a dead dog, right? And if you've owned a dog, you know that dogs typically will act one of two ways when their master approaches. One will be joy, jumping, love, rejoicing. The other one is laying on their back, cowering with tail between legs, like I'm about to get beat. Now, we didn't say it right then because the dude was right there, but when he left, we all looked at each other and like, he's about to kill that dog, and the dog knew it. That's probably why the dog was running and didn't wanna be caught because his master it looked to us, was in the habit of beating this dog, right? It matters who your master is. And when you recognize that your master is the perfect father who deals with our offenses, not by spanking us, whacking us with a stick, whatever has happened to this dog, that your your master is kind and generous. And not only that, he's full of wisdom and direction and hope and glory so that when you enter any situation, you get to rejoice and say, I know that this looks bleak, but I know a Savior who has rescued every person who believes on him from every situation, even if it means rescuing them up to heaven. We get to rejoice. Can I read to you Psalm one hundred? Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Some people ask why the music is loud. Because the rejoicing is louder. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. This is not a dirge. This is the church. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people. The sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, with rejoicing and his courts with praise. Give thanks to his name and praise his name. And the final verse, verse five, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. If you were truly to consider what your master, your savior has done for you, and it were all to spill in front of you in one moment, I dare believe that you'd be able to contain yourself. However, social norms have caused rejoicing to become joicing or just seeing or just the G. All I mean is rejoicing should be this and it's dwindled down to this because we're afraid of what other people think if we actually express, manifest the joy that God has given us. And by the way, joy itself isn't even a feeling biblically, Joy means to recognize grace. I recognize what you have done that I did not deserve and I can't contain it, but to shout hallelujah. I'm gonna give you three seconds to rejoice. One, two, three, go. So you're getting there. I'll give you a D plus on that one. i kidding, that was like a D. Here's the second thing. New humans know that gentleness is actually graciousness, which is actually godliness. If you want to look and smell and purify the air like God does, if you want to guard your heart, be gracious, be gentle. Paul says, let your gentleness be evident to all. And the word all there is specific meaning it's not just be gracious to church people. It means all people in all places at all times, including the jerkwad who cuts you off on I-4, including your coworker whose breath stinks and they talk too close. Nobody wants to admit it. If you don't admit it, it's probably you. <laughs> I got an email uh, couple weeks ago that said to me, you once, this is, I'm, I'm uh, summarizing, what's the word? Paraphrasing, thank you. Uh, the email said, you once showed a picture of a hole that you punched in the wall one day because you lost control of your marbles. Was anybody here the day I showed that picture? Yeah. Uh, this was a season where we had a major health issue in our family and I was in major sin because I was breaking one of the Ten Commandments, I was not practicing the Sabbath. And because I was breaking one of the Ten Commandments every single week, and because this major stress was in our house, I could not control myself. I was out of control. I lost my marbles. And one day, in a fit of terror, it's one of those places where you're like, I don't know what to do because I can't fix it. I wailed on the wall. And because I'm... Huge. <laughs> I went right through the wall and there was a hole. Back to the story. Uh, y- y- you show the picture. Now, my husband uses that as an excuse every time he gets angry. Well, Pastor Tim got angry and he punched a hole in the wall. No one's perfect, so I can scream and holler. I can. Punch the wall, and I pray he's not punching people. So I become this man's excuse for losing his marbles. Isn't that great? So follow me here. And we have a scene in the scriptures where Jesus gets angry. He is angry at those who have turned God's house, which was supposed to be a house of prayer, into a transactional place where they were duping the people, making them pay more, Like when you go to get a hot dog at a stadium, it's like $19. It cost them seven cents, right? They're buying these animals, and they had to trade them in the money of the temple, so they had to pay the money to trade the money. Then they had to pay the excess fee to get the animal. And Jesus, like, uh, 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 uh. And he starts flipping the tables of those selling the animals and those exchanging the money. And as a result of that one verse, it gives power to many in the church to act edgy, rebellious, even confrontational in the name of Jesus. Westboro Baptist Church, have you heard of this group? They actually came and picketed, protested right outside Celebration High School. Mm Mm-hmm fags burn in hell in the name of Jesus. Jesus got angry in the temple. We're allowed to get angry. We're allowed to be, right? Isn't it funny how Jesus spent 99.9% of his life being the most meek person to ever walk the earth, the most gentle person who ever lived, but we cling to this one moment where Jesus is angry and it gives us a right to be civilly disobedient. We've said this before, you can be civilly disobedient and still be meek. We have these talking heads all over social media who now represent Christ and there's so much vitriol and name calling and anger that comes out of them. I almost think Jesus turns his face like that's not me. I think they're fighting for the right things by the way, but they may be fighting in the wrong manner because Jesus says, let your gentleness be known to all in the church and outside of the church. Jesus was betrayed by Judas with a kiss and he could have punched him right in the smacker. I'm assuming Jesus was very angry. Like if he put on the go-go God arm, bam, but he let him kiss him. Peter chopped off the ear of a dude while they were arresting Jesus. And Jesus said, hold up, Peter, we're not doing that. We're not going to war in that way. Don't you know I could have called 10,000 angels and wiped everybody out? Peter goes on and denies him. Later, Jesus gently restores him. Could have said, Peter, the moment I needed you most, You denied me once, twice, three times. And the third time you called down curses. Could have shamed him. Could have called him names. And then they took him in to the inner court. They stripped him of his clothes. They took a cat of nine tails and whipped him with the lashes 39 times plus one. Shredded his back, put his clothes back on him, put a crown of thorns on his head, and whacked it onto his head so that he was pierced and bleeding down into his eyes and face. And then, with his shredded back and his bleeding face, they placed this crossbeam whose weight must have been, I don't even know, 40, 50 pounds? I have no idea. On his mutilated back so that he could walk uphill. The Via Dolorosa, the way to Golgotha. And there they laid him down, basically wearing nothing but underwear. Think about that for a minute. Humiliating. They pierced his hands and his feet and then raised him up as a common criminal to be crucified. the king of kings looks down and he says to his father, Father, destroy every single one of them. Smite them. Wipe them from the face of the planet for they have executed your son. If you're unfamiliar with the story, I'm totally lying right now. Hanging from that place, Jesus says the most gentle, gracious words, gracious meaning full of grace he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He had every right to be angry. He was angry in the temple at the church people, but to the people who are crucifying him, he was full of grace, gentle, loving, kind, while they were killing him. How about that? Few weeks ago, I shared that um, during the COVID season, a couple had come to me and told me that I was an insufficient leader. They left the church; it, it crushed me in spirit. If you weren't here, go back and watch. If you were here, you remember, remember me talking about this? Yes. That same day, I got a text from a guy in church who said, "Hey, I don't know who these people are, and I don't I don't know exactly what happened, but I want to stand in their place." and ask you to forgive me for them." Like, that's weird. And then the Holy Spirit's like, pay attention. This guy isn't just randomly writing you. I've assigned him so that you could finish something so that your heart can be guarded because right now it's still open because you haven't been gracious. You haven't been gentle. You've been holding these people in contempt in your heart and so I'm just like driving down the road and decided to start forgiving these people. And, and listen, I know I'm the pastor, I know I've been to seminary, I have no clue how this works. All I can tell you is that it works. And as I forgave these people through this man, the peace of God enshrouded me in a, a way that I have not experienced in some time. And I could almost feel the gate of the guard of my heart closing. This wound that I've been open to letting the foxes run in my field and burn down my crops, now closing because I decided to be gentle, which means to be gracious, which means to forgive those who may not deserve to be forgiven. The chief of who is me, because while I was still a sinner, Christ came and died for me. And on the cross, he said, Father, forgive Tim, for he knows not what he does. So this morning, I just wanna ask you, who do you need to be gracious to in your life? There's a chance that person's sitting right next to you. There's a greater chance that that person is in your pocket on your cell phone and you need to take it out and say, hey, I would love to get together and seek reconciliation and give forgiveness as a gift. So I'm just gonna pause here a moment and allow you to let the Holy Spirit inspire you with a name. Who is that person that God's saying today, if you want the guard of your heart to be closed, for the devil to stop putting some stinking rotten stuff in here that will put stinking rotten thinking up here, then you need to forgive them. Doesn't mean that you enable them but you forgive them. You can still have boundaries and forgive, but you need, and here's what forgiveness means. I'm holding nothing against you any longer. You owe me nothing. There is no debt. I forgive you. Even if they don't receive it, you can still forgive them because forgiveness has more to do with you sometimes than it has to do with them. Father, we bless you, we thank you, we walk into this space, this tender place in our hearts, where doors have been opened because of unforgiveness. And Lord, I'm just asking, Holy Spirit, would you just inspire a name, drop a name in every heart here, somebody that we can extend your grace to. And the only way that we know to be gracious is because you were first gracious to us. And let me just pause here, church, and let Holy Spirit speak to you? Who is that person? What is that name? What grudge, what bitterness have you been holding on to? Paul says, Be gentle. The Lord is near, meaning his kingdom is more important than your bitterness. His coming, his nature is more important than your grudge. So be gentle. Be gracious, forgive, and know this today. Praise God for this today. You are forgiven for what you did last night, for what you did this week, for the things you thought, the things you said, the things that came out of you that you didn't mean to come out of you. God says, I forgive you as far as the east is from the west. I remember it no more. We praise you, Father, for this forgiveness. It makes us rejoice. Thank you, God. There's a chance that you're here today and you've never received this forgiveness. Today is your day. By a confession of your mouth and a belief in your heart, you can be forgiven forever and enter into relationship with Jesus forever just by believing he is the Lord, by confessing Jesus is Lord. So church, faithfully together, let's now make that confession on the count of three. One, two, three, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. There's a chance you've made that confession today for the first time, and I want you to know you just made the best decision of your life to enter into relationship by faith with Jesus. And if you've done that today, I'm just gonna Ask you to be bold and on the count of three, raise your hand signifying, yes, me, Lord, I'm in. I'm in. On the count of three, if that's you, raise your hand. One, two, three, anyone here today receiving Jesus for the first time? Come on. Any others today? We praise you, God. Father, thank you for your work that you're doing in our hearts. We know that it is strong. We know that it is bold to go and be gracious, but we believe, Lord, as we step out in faith and give forgiveness You'll heal, you'll close the doors, you'll guard our hearts, and we will be a wellspring of life. In Jesus' name we pray. Let all God's people say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Would you clap and receive joy in your hearts today? God bless you.